Yeah, I mean, as human beings, we only understand things in, in terms of how they relate to us. And if you, if, you, if you really look at it, you find that a child, for example, it's impossible for a child to understand anything beyond the, the immediate dynamic which the child is locked into. So anything that is abstract is absent. And anything that is not before their eye is is gone. Um, as a human being grows up, that ability is developed to be able to hold on to the abstract and the absent. But nonetheless, a human being continues locked into that dynamic by which a human being only understands something in relation to, to, to what a human being is. If you look at a person with true moral perception, a true moral perception is to go beyond your own um, your own context, in able to, to be able to understand things are beyond your context. And that's, for example, if you, wh- what is racism? Racism is to understand everything in terms of your own racial experience. What is sexual, sexism? To understand everything in terms of your own gender experience. What is classism? To understand everything in terms of your own class experience. And we constant, consequently say that a moral human being is someone who can go beyond their gender experience, beyond their class experience, beyond their racial experience. Now, when you come to the, the dynamic between human beings and God, to start to understand God, we must start with our own experiences. Because it, 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 otherwise, you, where do you start? It's impossible. But you cannot simply say, I will go beyond my own experiences as if a leap of faith. Because all that's going to happen is you're going to color your own experiences in some fancy language but simply reaffirm understanding everything according to your own experience anyway. But rather, once you started by, through the mechanism of your own experience, then the next step is going to come in which you negate your own experiences in order to understand God. In other words, in which you then start understanding in which, in what ways God is not you. First you're going to understand God in terms of how God is vis-a-vis me. When I do dua, God responds in what way? When I feel bad, how do I mention God and God comforts me and all of that. But then comes the next step in which you go beyond your own emotions, your own needs, your own cravings. That is why also they would say that people who remain locked in the experience of God only vis-a-vis them never go beyond the perception of hell and heaven. Because even belief in God and obedience to God is locked onto the idea of what do I get and what do I avoid. I avoid pain or I get rewards. 
the next step by which heaven and hell become completely immaterial, and this is the much higher, the, 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 the higher status, it, it's a sort of your pleasure and pain become quite irrelevant to your dynamic with God, and it is, it, it's nearly as if you choose to live the only reality there is, which is the reality of God, and not to continue kidding yourself in, in the set of delusions that you live in. But that's, that's a much higher level. That's the level in which you can, that's the level of al-muqarrabun, which then you, you say, qul huwa, huwa. And that's really all you need. Now, of course, in, in Islamic traditions, by the way, there's a lot of, a lot of, of reports and traditions around qul huwa Allahu ahad, surah al-ikhlas. Some of them are very famous, like, Qulu Allahu Ahad is equal to one-third of the Qur'an. And so, you're supposed to, if you read it three times, you've read the whole Qur'an and, and things like that. There's hadith that says, if you read Qulu Allahu Ahad every day, you will not go to hell, things like that. I intentionally left all that material out, because I, I, I don't believe that, that much of it is. But it is quite interesting that Muslim consciousness, I mean, clearly the Prophet, clearly the Prophet, spoke of the value of Surah Al-Ikhlas. It's quite possible that we did not remember the specific words of the Prophet. But Muslims generally had a keen sense of the general value of Surah Al-Ikhlas. And that they got a sense of the value of Surah Al-Ikhlas from the Prophet. Why? Because Surah Al-Ikhlas really wraps up for you. If, if Surah Al-Fatiha basically told you how your existence should be in terms of, 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 of this life, Surah Al-Ikhlas basically wrapped up to you what your God should be to you. I mean, is that, is that in terms of the process of understanding? Or, or am I, am I no, because it's not, uh, uh, you, I mean, uh, the, the verse immediately tells you that Allah is singular. And, and here is, you know, sort of the literary style of the Qur'an itself. That while it introduces the notion of singularity, it sort of, in a cumulative fashion, reaches the climax of the point, slowly. So it tells you God is singular, but then says you depend on him, he's different, and he's very different. And from an impact point of view, it makes perfect sense. Because if I introduce an idea to you as a, as a literary technique, that's exactly the best way to do it. It's sort of to, to give you the notion initially, but... <coughs> take you step by step into how is that. And by invoking what is, is familiar to you first, and then emphasizing how different it is, and then emphasizing to you what, how the, what is familiar to you is actually very different from, from what, you're, what it is. So as a literary technique, it's fabulous. 